welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast, where we talk all about the coziest of book genres, the cozy mystery. I'm your host, Christy Meyer, and I'll be bringing you author interviews and keeping you up to date on all the hottest cozy mystery releases. We'll be diving into the latest episode after these quick messages. So grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hi, hello, my cozy friends. Welcome back to another episode of Get Cozy Podcast. If you follow me over on Instagram, then you know how much I love me a witchy cozy mystery, especially this time of year. So I am beyond excited to chat with our guest author today. Kate Conte, who also writes under the name Liz Mugavero, is the best-selling author of three mystery series, two with Kensington Books and one with St. Martin's Press. As Liz, she writes the Positively Organic Mysteries, the first of which was an Agatha Award nominee for Best First Novel. As Kate, she writes the Cat Cafe Mysteries and the Full Moon Mysteries, featuring a newbie witch, Violet Mooney. She's also a creativity coach, helping other writers fulfill their creative dreams with a touch of woo-woo, of course. I am so excited to have her with us today. Welcome to the show, Kate. Hey, Christy. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Of course. I'm so excited to have you so we can chat about books and about all things witchy. I just cannot think of a more perfect author to have on the podcast for the month of October. Um, But before we jump into everything, do you want to start by telling our listeners what the Full Moon Mysteries are all about? Sure. The Full Moon Mysteries um, feature Violet Mooney, who, you know, finds out at age 32 that she's a witch. So Violet owns a crystal store in uh, this little town in Connecticut. And she's just kind of going about her life. And she has this real gift for finding the right crystals for people, you know, for whatever type of healing they need. And she can see auras, but she feels like, you know, she's just kind of intuitive in that sense. She doesn't really think much of it. And then um, something happens where uh, a decades old spell is broken and she is reunited with her mother and her her half sister and they tell her that she's a witch and so that begins all kinds of mayhem (laughs) in Violet's life Um, and yeah so the story starts there it is just such a fun series. I just barely finished the the third book because I was lucky enough to get an art copy of it. And I just can't recommend this one enough for our listeners who love witchy books. And I also really just love the setting of Violet's Crystal Shop. Um, it's just really cute. It's whimsical. And I myself am really into like crystals and manifestation and Reiki and all of that woo-woo stuff. Um, so it's definitely up my street. So how much did you know? know about crystals when you went into writing the book and how much research did you have to do? Oh, I love this. We're kindred spirits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have been a crystal fanatic my whole life. You know, I always dabbled in them. Um, I 
I knew, I knew basics, right. And I had a lot of stones, but then when I decided to write this book and, you know, I, I knew I had to place, uh, or I, I placed a violet in the crystal shop. I knew I had to kind of up my game a little bit. So of course I used that as an excuse to shop. And so I had, um, back when I lived in Connecticut, I had this woman who ran this really adorable little crystal shop right near me. So I started just hanging out at her place like every week and you know, buying yeah. things and just learning from her. Um, and she was great. She was, you know, super helpful. And she introduced me to a lot of new stones. And um, so it was, it was a really fun research experience. And, you know, I just moved up to the Boston area and I already found my new crystal shop. And nice. You know, <laughs> so I've been adding new things to my collection and, you know, I have way too many crystals, but they, <laughs> they, I really enjoy them. Um, I love writing about them. I love learning new things. And I really do believe that they help people heal. Yeah, that's awesome. And I do love the way that uh, Violet approaches each of her customers where she's individually trying to help them heal with the energy of the, the different crystals. And I learn so much as I'm reading it. Like I just, I have so many highlights um, in my Kindle when I'm reading these books about what each uh, stone does because I, I don't know very much about it yet, but I found that I've learned so much just by reading the series. Oh, I love to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, since we are uh, going into NaNoWriMo or National Novel Writing Month, for those who may not have heard of it, uh, what crystals do you think Violet would recommend for somebody who wants to take that on? So I'm all about the creativity crystals. So mm -hmm. anything orange, um, because it corresponds with your, um, with your chakra that also activates creativity. So I love citrine. Um, I love carnelian. I actually bought this gorgeous ring, carnelian ring that I wear all the time when I'm writing. Um, it just makes me feel really powerful and creative. And um, so yeah, definitely anything, um, anything orange. Also, um, one of my favorites just in general is um, uh, amethyst, sorry, my, <laughs> my flew right out of my head. I love <laughs> amethyst. I love purple. I'm a purple girl. Mm -hmm. um, and that stone is just, it's got so many cool properties, so many cool, you know, calming properties and healing properties. And I, I believe it helps you connect a little bit more with whatever you're trying to kind of channel. So that's another one of my favorites. That's perfect. So there you go, listeners, all of you who are participating in Preptober right now know which crystals you need to go pick up before the month of November kicks off. Um, and then Kate, another thing I wanted to talk about is you do such a brilliant job of creating a world that truly feels witchy and magical in this series. So what is your world building process like? <laughs> I wish I had a good answer for that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, it was really daunting when I, when I started it because, you know, I, I've built worlds before and probably not so well, and they were in the, you know, mortal world. So it wasn't even really a, a stretch. And, uh -huh. you know, I, I just became really aware of like, if you make a wrong move in the first book, you, you're kind of stuck with it, you know? So, and then I was trying to build two worlds for this book. So I had to build her mortal world. I had to build the witchy world. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could say I had this, you know, process that I followed to do that, right? But I kind of just went with my gut. I went with what I, um, what I imagined she and her family might, uh, 
might be involved in from a you know a magical perspective and how to bring that to a, a broader world i also tried to bring a little i don't know if you know readers have noticed this but i i did try to bring a little bit of the um today's political landscape into mm-hmm. um, and apply it to kind of that witchy <laughs> uh leadership and you know the the challenges that you know violet and her family on the magical council are, are facing um as people in the world kind of think about shaking up the system and you know I was trying to make some of those parallels as well Mm -hmm. yeah it was just a lot of exploring for me you know there were some things that I that I originally created that I took out because I didn't feel like it would be sustainable over the long term but I'm really happy with where I landed I like the world I created um I I do sometimes feel like you know my imagination is running dry a little bit because I'm trying to think of you know different types of spells and and things and yeah it's kind of hard to think of some of those things right yeah that's daunting I mean writing a book alone is daunting but having to invent all of those extra things to go along with it that's a lot yeah so I'm always adding to my repertoire of new things that you know she comes up with um but it's been fun it's it's really been fun I'm trying to not make it uh, so serious, right? And like, I have to get all this right. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to have fun with it because it is a fun series. It is a fun series. And I do really enjoy the way that you've blended kind of the human world and the witchy world together. And I I feel like there's like a kind of a, a big spectrum with witchy cozy mysteries where some of them, it's just like, they're totally set in the real world. And someone just has like slight magical powers to like stuff that feels very, very witchy with a whole world of magic for readers to kind of get immersed in. And I personally uh, prefer the very witchy feeling books. And I do feel like yours has a very well established magical world that readers can really get lost in and escape into. And I just think it's a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Of course. And since it is October, I do have to ask. So what are some of your all time favorite witchy or spooky cozy mysteries? Ah, there's so many. I mean, mm-hmm. I really, I, I like Carol Perry's um, Haunted Haven Mysteries. Uh-huh. I started reading those last year with Be My Ghost. I really like that one. Um, my my colleague, Barb Ross, who's in my Wicked blog group, she has a novella called Hallowed Out that's part of the main Clambake series. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's really fun. I love that. Um, I will say, you know, my alter ego has a, um, a Halloween-themed mystery. So the... Uh, Positively Organic Mysteries, uh, book two, A Biscuit, A Casket, is Halloween themed. So that's a fun one as well. Very fun. (laughs) And also, you know, this isn't witchy, but um, it's ghosts and it's a little bit more on the darker side. But there's a really great book that I try to reread every October because I do weird things like that. It's (laughs) It's called The Night Country by Stuart Onan. It's such a cool book. It's told from the perspective of four ghosts. Oh, cool. It's just, it's very cool. Okay. I'm, I'm adding that to my Goodreads right now as we speak. <laughs> and, then... and of course, anything Stephen King. I'm a big Stephen King girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got to love Stephen King. Like I, I have to take his books like very slowly because I, uh, I'm, I'm a cozy mystery reader. I'm used to short books. So his, I like have to like read alongside other things and kind of break them down. But they're so much fun, especially in the fall. Totally. All right. Can I tell you something fun? Yeah. So I know that we're probably going to get into uh, cozy or not cozy mystery show or witchy shows too. But so speaking of Stephen King, um, there's a new Netflix show 
called Mr. Ha- Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Okay. Oh yeah, I, I've seen that on there. I haven't watched it yet, but I saw it pop up on my uh, my Netflix recommendations. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet either, but it was filmed in my old neighborhood on my oh. old street. And yeah, so one morning the dogs and I were taking a walk and we almost walked right into the middle of the filming. Um, oh my goodness. It, uh, it was really cool. And there was a big uh, old mansion that's right down the street that they did a lot of filming at as well. So I'm really excited to watch it because you know I might actually see my dogs in the, in the show. Oh my goodness. You'll have to let us know if you do. Because so when that popped up on my Netflix, I was like, I wonder if that's based on that short story that Stephen King has in If It Bleeds, because the premise sounds exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now that makes a lot of sense. And I'm definitely going to have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. That's so funny. Yeah, let, let me know so we can we can kind of watch for you in the background. It'll be a, a fun little activity <laughs> for us to do this fall. And I do definitely want to talk about witchy shows and witchy movies or just spooky Halloween uh, shows and movies. So what are some of your favorites that you would say you watch every year? So I really love The Haunting of Hill House, the remake. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know, I've watched it three times so far. I just find it so well done. I know a lot of people didn't, or not maybe not a lot, but a few people didn't really love it. They loved the older version better. I don't know. I just thought it was done really, really well. I thought it was um, a great ghost story, but it was also a great like family tragedy story, which mm-hmm. I love a good family tragedy. Um, so that's definitely one. And I love Practical Magic. I watched that often <laughs> yes um, and every now and then I'll pop on some old charmed um episodes because I used to love that when I was a kid oh it's such a great show <laughs> yeah I uh, I also love the haunting of hill house I feel like they really in every show that they do they do such a great job of like character development like they're definitely like character driven shows instead of plot based shows which I don't feel like we see very often and for me that really adds to like the 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 spookiness and the horror of the whole thing yeah for sure yeah and then of course we do always watch our uh Hocus Pocus. We watched Hocus Pocus too. I don't know if you're a Hocus Pocus fan, but we did definitely have to watch that one this year. Yeah, I want to check it out. I've been hearing great things about it, so I I have not seen it. Yeah, you'll have to let me know what you think. Uh, the This isn't a spoiler because it's the opening scene, but they um, do a little flashback to when the three witches were children. And the girl that plays Winifred is just amazing. Aww. Yeah, she's fantastic. But I highly recommend watching it. I don't I don't think it's quite on par with the original, but it's still a lot of fun. Cool. I will put it on my list. Yeah. So what would you say is the most challenging thing about writing a novel that does incorporate magic? Uh, I think I think just getting to a place where, you know, people who read any kind of fiction have to have some level of that you know suspension of disbelief right Mm -hmm. um I think for me it's just getting to a place where I feel comfortable that people will suspend their disbelief enough to read about what I'm writing about um you know I I in one of the one of the books I think it was book two I'm losing track now um the magical cat I have a magical cat he doesn't like Mm -hmm. talk or solve mysteries he just does you know kind of magical things sometimes but I had a scene with him in there that I was like are people gonna really buy this and you know I spent a lot of time <laughs> thinking about that because um 
I don't know. It just, it felt like I, I didn't want it to come off as kitschy or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which I probably shouldn't worry about, but I do. I'm an old <laughs> thinking, so thinking about things like that. So um, I think honestly, the most challenging thing is just letting go and, and letting myself have more fun with it. Mm-hmm. So that totally makes sense. Cause I do feel like cozy mysteries already have a, a certain level of like suspension of disbelief. That's kind of required, right. To buy into like the, the amateur sleuth cracking the case anyway. So then when you also throw a magic system and witches and all of that in there, that's even more to have to kind of get readers on board with in that. I can see how that's a daunting task. Yeah, it can be. Cause, and also, you know, I, I really, I really try to make my books about something, right? That's from the very beginning, you know, I, and I, I think sometimes people look at cozies as, you know, oh, they're, you know, they're not, they're, they're maybe a, a, even more of a level down of taking them seriously than other mysteries. And mm-hmm. so I feel really protective about that. And so yeah. I really want to make sure that I'm, you know, giving my readers something that is not only entertaining because I absolutely want them to be entertained and and have an enjoyable experience and love my characters and want to come back more, but also to take something away from it. Right. So Mm -hmm. usually for me, it's, it's animal stuff. Like in my other two series, animal rescue takes a big, um, you know, is a big part of what I'm trying to get across. And yes, there are animals in this, but it's less about animal rescue. So I think for me, it's, you know, making sure that there's, some story in there that's either maybe related to family or like I said earlier, something related to politics that actually mm-hmm. think and, you know, want to take something else away from it aside from just an enjoyable experience. Yeah, I agree. We've talked a lot um, on the show with various authors in the past year about um, millennial cozy mysteries and kind of the shift in cozy mysteries to include um, so more like heavy and serious, important topics while still like retaining that cozy vibe and that escapist mood for readers to, to go to, which is so wonderful. But I do really appreciate the way that you and so many authors have started including issues that do mattered to uh, a lot of people of our generation, um, as well as like older generations as well. Yeah. You know, I'm a big Dennis Lehane fan. Um, I'm kind of a fangirl about him. I've always been that way. I think he's mm-hmm. just a writer. And I remember, I remember at the very beginning of my, you know, actual published writing career, I was listening to him talk and I remember him saying that he's, he said, you know, you always have to write about something. You, yeah. You know, it really stuck with me. Yeah. I love that. Like we want to be entertained, but my best reading experiences are always when I feel like I also grow as a person by the time I finish the novel. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to say, I found it so interesting when I got to the end of the book and I read your acknowledgements and found out that you actually went to college in Salem, Massachusetts. That (laughs) is so cool. So how did living in that town influence your writing of the full moon mysteries? So I didn't actually live there. I, this is one of my biggest regrets. I did not live. So I grew up, you know, in Massachusetts. So uh-huh. I didn't live in Salem. I commuted, but I was there you okay. know, five days a week. Um, but honestly, like it was already one of my favorite places. And just to be able to spend, you know, the majority of my week there was amazing. Cause I mm-hmm. would go every day, I would go to my classes. And then after class, if I didn't have to, you know, go to work, I would just spend the rest of the time in the town and going to all the stores and reading the books and, you know, 
That's <laughs> so being, fun. Being a total tourist, basically. Um, and, you know, just visiting all the places. I, I don't know. I just, I love, I love anything related to witches. I love cemeteries. I love anything. Mm-hmm. So I was just, you know, in my, in my glory, hanging out in Salem every day. That sounds amazing. My sisters and I want to go visit so badly. I don't think I could go in October because that seems like it would be a very large uh, crowd of people, but I really want to go sometime. It's great. I was actually just there last week. So, so oh, really? I'm back, yeah, I'm back in the area and I had a friend come in from out of town and she she used to come visit me a lot and that was our thing. We would go to Salem. So, you know, she came to visit and we said, oh, we have to go. Mm-hmm. We had to go hang out in Salem again. So we went to the stores. We got tarot cards read, you know, fun, all those fun Halloween-y things. Very fun. What would you say is the best time of year to visit Salem? Oh, definitely October. I mean, definitely October. There's, there's a lot of people, you're right, but it's just, I don't know. It's just an experience that you have to have at least once. I mean, it's like a month long costume party. People mm-hmm. are just walking around in costumes, you know, in the middle of the day for no reason at all. It's just, and there's just a fun vibe. There's always something going on. Um, it's just, it's a cool place to be. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that's definitely towards the top of my travel list. I really, really hope we can make that happen sometime soon. You'll have to let me know when you're coming. I can give you a tour. (laughs) Oh, we would love that. That would be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely keep you posted. Excellent. Yeah. So if you could cast any fictional witch from another book or show to appear in the Full Moon Mysteries, who would you choose and why? (laughs) I love this question. It's so fun. (laughs) I kind of already did this, but I changed her name. So, um... Violet's mother, Fiona, Mm -hmm. as soon as I started writing this, um, I knew she had to kind of be a little bit like Endora from Bewitched. Oh my goodness. Now you say that and I can totally see it. I used to love Bewitched. (laughs) Me too. And I just thought the mom was so funny. And, you know, typically most cozies don't have multiple points of view. Um, And I, you know, I I wasn't sure my editor was really going to go for it, but I was like, no, after I started writing it and I I started really developing Fiona's character, I'm like, no, she needs a voice. She needs to have, you know, people need to see what she's thinking. And Mm -hmm. and she's kind of, you know, she, she could be kind of a controversial character, just given the fact that, you know, at face value, if you're reading it and you learn that she left Violet when she was five and, you know, Violet hasn't seen her since you kind of have this picture of, of her as a mother. That's not very, flattering right? right but I wanted to people to be able to see like from her side what really happened um and so I wrote some scenes from Fiona's point of view and they got to stay in and yeah totally um can totally picture Endora as I'm writing her yeah now that's all I'm gonna see when, <laughs> when I'm reading I love that and I do I do really like the scenes that are from her point of view like it's such a great way to be able to give uh, readers information, but also like increase the mystery and the suspense of the story as well. Um, Like when we see things from Fiona's perspective, we kind of understand the stakes a little bit more because she's more familiar with the witching world than Violet is. So I really enjoy those scenes. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And I do also subscribe to your newsletter. So I know that you do a lot of work with coaching and educating aspiring authors. So do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that? Sure. So this is kind of a new venture that I started just earlier this year. Um, I actually launched a membership site over the summer. It's called the Creativity Lab. And really what my goal is, you know, I, um, I've 
I've been a writer my entire life. I, I always knew I wanted to be a writer, but there were so many things that, that happened over the course of, you know, just being, being in the world <laughs> that mm-hmm. kind of strips that creativity away from you, I think. And, and yeah. kind of puts all of these systems in place that make you feel like it's not a viable thing to pursue and you have to be realistic and you have to, you know, make a living and you have to do this. And I think all of that just chips away at what, mm-hmm. um, what, what creative, breath people have um and I saw that in myself it took me a really long time to kind of get back to you know I was always writing but I wasn't writing in a way that was getting me anywhere and you know I I just I wasn't fulfilling my potential um and so I started to hear a lot of that from you know friends of mine who had never written before or who Mm -hmm. used to write and then put it aside and wanted to get back to it and you know it really made me think like people need to people could use a way to understand like how to Julia Cameron calls it creative recovery, how to, how to get into a creative recovery. Um, and through a lot of her work and a lot of other work that I've kind of pulled together, um, my goal is really to help people kind of get on that path to creative recovery and be able to do it, whatever they want to do with that. Right. It doesn't have to be writing novels. It can be, Hey, I just want to write in a journal every day. And, you know, I need to give myself permission to do that. Um, it could be, I just want to write a blog, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think sometimes people need to feel like they have a system or a, a practice that they can follow and know that this is something that's viable for them to pursue. And that's what I want to be able to give people. I love that. And you, know, you hear a lot about a lot of authors that do a lot of various um, coaching or classes around writing books, but writing how or learning how to be creative and maintain that creativity is a whole different approach. And I really, really like that, especially in publishing, because it can be such a, a brutal business with uh, so much rejection, so much endless waiting that can kind of just suck the creativity right out of you. So I love that approach. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it really is. It's hard. Like, I remember sitting at a um, at a conference a few years ago, obviously before COVID, mm-hmm. um, and there was some. I was part of a um, it was a like a little workshop where new you know people who were trying to get published or get agents were able to come and and read you know a page or whatever of their work. And there were some agents and editors and authors at the table, kind of giving them feedback. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one woman. She was so excited about her work, and she read it and. One of the editors, and you know, this one, this person did not mean any harm by her response. She just right. immediately was like, yeah, no one's going to buy that. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like, wh- why would you say that? Because first right. of all, the, the scenario that the woman had written about, I knew for a fact, it wasn't public yet, but someone I knew had just sold a book based on, you know, a similar premise. So first of all, she was completely wrong. Saying mm-hmm. no that. And second of all, you know, why would you do that? Right. Yeah. Even, you know, even, it just, it makes people, and I'm not saying that, you know, everything has to be, and this is actually one of the main um, tenets that I, that I try to teach people is, you know, you don't have to put a lot of um, uh, pressure on your creative life, right? It doesn't have to be like, okay, I have to start being creative again because I have to write a book and I have to sell it for all this money in order for it to be viable. No, you can just write for the love of that. And that's okay too. And so even if this woman was trying to get her, her book published and, you know, this, she was shot down, you know, even if the next day she wanted to write something for her own enjoyment, she's probably going to have that feeling of like, why bother? Right. Exactly. 
and that always bothered me. And so, you know, I think all of these things kind of stuck with me and, and it just really made me want to help people see it differently. I love that. Yeah. I feel like there's just, um, a time and a place for specific types of, of criticism. Uh, and definitely when somebody's actively writing, that's not the time for that kind of criticism at all, because it does just kill your, your spirit. Um, you have to have a little bit of like hope when you're writing that you're going to have some kind of success. And it's so easy for people to destroy that even when they're completely wrong. Yeah. And no one's a fortune teller. Nobody Mm -hmm. knows what's going to sell tomorrow. It could be something completely different than anything anyone ever envisioned. Right. 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 So it's just, it's nonsense to say if, if you're feeling called to write something, it's because that story or that perspective is supposed to be out in the world somehow. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be called to, to put it on paper if it wasn't meant to be there. So for anyone to say, oh, that's not viable, it's just wrong. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's funny the things that publishing will sometimes, they will never sell, but then they end up being like a, a big thing. Like one of my friends, um, when he signed with his agent, I think his agent like jokingly said, like, never write an anthropomorphic book, like an animals acting as humans, uh, book. Cause they, they never sell, they don't sell. And then a, a few years later, he ended up writing, um, scary stories for young foxes, which is a middle grade horror series. And he won a Newbery prize for it. Um, so okay. it's just, you know, one of those things like you never know. And like you said, you just write what you want to write and don't worry about publishing so much. Yep. And there's yeah. always self-publishing today, right? That's mm-hmm. a lot different than it used to be. So yeah, so many options for authors these days. It's really, really neat. Totally. So like I mentioned earlier, I did get really lucky and I got to read the e-arc of Which Way Out, which I just absolutely devoured. I loved it. And so I'm wondering what you can tell our listeners about that book. And also if you could tell them when they'll be able to pick it up in stores. Absolutely. So yes, Which Way Out is book number three. Um, and I like to think of the, the first three books as kind of, a, you know, a trilogy in their own right, because it there were there were certain things that were happening in, in the first two books that have time limits on them, time frames, mm-hmm. um, that kind of gets wrapped up in the third book. So um, Violet is invited to, well, she's still trying to, you know, solve all these magical mysteries of the genieings that are happening. So there was a, a woman in um, one of the earlier books who was genied in her store, which means a, a very bad genie, put her in a bottle. And she's got three full moon cycles to save her. Um, so she's still dealing with that. And then someone else gets genied in book three. And so, you know, all of that, is, she's still trying to uh, figure out what's happening with that. And in the meantime, she gets invited to be a vendor at this really big um fair and so she gets to bring all of her crystals to the fair and then unfortunately one of the fair organizers also gets murdered and so she has to solve that mystery too (laughs) so so she's got a lot going on um and the book will be out in march i think end of march awesome yeah and i really liked how you kind of had like a a witchy mystery happening as well as like this uh, mystery in like the mortal mortal world as well for Violet in this book. I thought that was a lot of fun and it's definitely uh, like a page turner. There's so much going on. Awesome. I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah. And then you do also have another popular cozy series that we've mentioned a little bit, um, the Cat Cafe Mysteries. So do you also want to tell our listeners a bit about that series as well? 
Sure. So I'm actually in the middle of writing uh, book seven right now, and it's actually awesome. taking place in October. So it's a Halloween themed book. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that one. Um, mm-hmm. So the Cat Cafe series features Maddie James, and she is an, an entrepreneur who um, has come back to her her hometown, which is a small island off the coast of Massachusetts. It's fictional, but it's kind of based on, you know, Cape Cod type, uh, sorry, a Martha's Vineyard type island. Um, she doesn't plan on staying when she comes back, but she came back, her grandmother had passed away, but then someone's trying to take her grandfather's house away. And, you know, she ends up kind of getting sucked back into the, the family drama and she ends up staying. Um, and through a series of events, she ends up opening a cat cafe on the island, which at first she's like, how is this ever going to work? Because, you know, there's not that many people on the island for half the year, right. <laughs> but um, she, you know, it's really a way for her to step in and fill a role that the rescue organization that had left the island had vacated. So she's able to save some animals and help out her friend who's the animal control officer. Um, So she's got this cat cafe that she's running with her business partner and her grandfather. Um, And of course, lots of people die on this island too. So she's also got her- (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's such a fun premise. And I love uh, the whole cat cafe thing we have one here um, that works with our one of our local animal shelters and it's just so much fun to go there. Yeah, they're so they're really cool. Um, mm-hmm. They are very fun. Yeah, I just get to go hang out with with cats. I mean, what's what's more fun with, than that? <laughs> and drink coffee. I mean, what's better than that? Too? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's the perfect day. Yep. <laughs> All right. So before we sign off, do you want to let our listeners know how they can connect with you online and also keep up on all your upcoming book releases? Absolutely. So um, my website is kateconti.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there. You can find out all kinds of things about what's going on. Um, And then I'm also on Facebook, Instagram as both Liz McGavro and Kate Conti. Wonderful. All right. Well, listeners, do not miss which way out. As we mentioned, it hit shelves on, or I'm sorry, on March 28th. And the latest book in the Cat Cafe Mysteries, Gone But Not Forgotten, is out now. And please stay tuned because we'll be back very soon with another episode of Get Cozy Podcast. That's all for today's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Get Cozy Podcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading and stay cozy. Stay cozy.